Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, forecasts, and success strategies. This uh, segment is brought to you by GetValuate.com. Check it out. You can do online analysis of commercial real estate and share it with your colleagues. Visit GetValuate.com. Today we have a great show for you. We're going to talk about retail, retailers, retail bankruptcies, retail real estate. We have some incredible guests for you. And uh, retail has kind of been interesting. You know, uh, CoStars reported vacancies down to 5.2%. Uh, rent increases of the last year have still been 2%, uh, but they're suggesting that 2017 has begun to slow down a, a little bit. Uh, and they're suggesting that we're at the early to late expansion phase uh, of the cycle. And uh, they also do a uh, proprietary recession predictor. And now this is interesting. And they're suggesting that the probability of a recession in 2019 exceeds 50 percent. So what is the outlook for retail? You know, if you look at some of the um, closures, it's been pretty, pretty incredible. Between JCPenney and Sears, more than 20 million square feet of mall space is expected to be returned to the market this year. Now, if you combine that with the 25 million square feet that Macy Sears and JCPenney closed over the past two years, you see that there are some vacancy issues. Now, it's interesting to see that, you know, if these are in these properties, these stores are in great markets and great cities with a lot of demand, sometimes these are opportunities for these REITs and some of these owners of these Class A properties to really improve NOI and put uh, tenants that can pay more rent in them. At the same time, for some of the uh, outlying areas and some of the smaller markets, uh, it could be tough times ahead. Well, today's going to be interesting. First, we're going to have Sam Arden uh, as a guest. He's with Hartman Simons, and he's going to talk about the distress, uh, the bankruptcy, and he's going to include some tips for landlords and tenants uh, to prepare if maybe you're dealing with this situation. We're also going to have Nick Garcia with Heinz on, and he does leasing in a very large mixed-use development to talk about some tips and strategies and what you might think about if you're a tenant or landlord in that situation. We're also going to talk with Mark Dufton, ECO with Gordon Brothers, uh, to talk about the outlook for retailers and what to expect moving forward. So it's going to be a great show. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Excelligen, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. This segment is brought to you by Real Crowd. Did you know that you can invest with experienced sponsors online right now in big commercial real estate deals? Visit realcrowd.com. Well, today we're talking retail and retail real estate. I have Sam Arden here with us. He's a partner with Hartman Simons, and we're talking retail. And Sam, one of the things that I think a lot of people are concerned about is all the bankruptcies we're hearing about, all the troubles with all these retailers. What are you really seeing? Are you seeing a lot of that out there today? 
Michael, yes, we're seeing quite a bit of it. It's been a trend for the last few years, actually. Um, it's a, you know, there's transitions going on in the retail sector with uh, uh, tenants struggling, tenants with uh, too much debt, uh, to, to, you know, lease obligations that are beyond uh, what they can handle, and uh, many of them are turning to bankruptcy to try to reorganize. And uh, in, in many instances, they're not reorganizing. Uh, they're, they're going away. They're liquidating. Yeah. So we're losing tenants. So what's that mean for the leases? If you're a landlord or a lender, what's that mean uh, for your lease and your income stream? Well, it, it varies. Um, believe it or not, every so often uh, I have clients who are uh, glad to see a tenant go uh, because the, the, the opportunity to replace that tenant is a better economic opportunity than the, the, the tenant who's in bankruptcy. Uh, not because they're in bankruptcy, it's just there may be more rent available uh, uh, better, better uh, lease terms available from a new tenant. From yeah. a new tenant. Yeah. So that's the best case scenario. Um, then you have the, what's the most obvious uh, impact to the landlord, which is a tenant may be terminating its lease in bankruptcy and going away, and you're losing the rental stream from. The and do you lose it as a landlord the minute they file? You do not lose it the minute they file, depending okay. on what they plan to do with your space. Mm -hmm. uh, many of these tenants will continue operating post-bankruptcy until they figure out which, for example, they may be uh, trying to reduce the number of locations they have. So while they're figuring, sometimes they have that figured out on the front end, sometimes they're figuring it out, the tenants are figuring it out during the bankruptcy. During the bankruptcy process, if they're in the space operating, then they need to pay your rent moving forward until they terminate the lease. And they're supposed to pay the normal rental rate then if they're open and operating, even though they're in bankruptcy? Yeah, they, they, the bankruptcy doesn't change the financial terms of the lease, you know, so if they are in the space, they should pay the monthly rent. And the, the, there are different types of charges that arise under retail leases that create problems for how to calculate what's owed. Like, for example, uh, they may a tenant may pay re, a portion of real estate taxes for the shopping center, and they may pay it in uh, biannual installments or something, and it creates a problem for how you apply the bankruptcy code to the rental obligations. But the monthly rent is pretty clear cut. Okay. So, and what are your rights if uh, your tenant's in bankruptcy and you own a retail center and uh, they're not paying the rent? Um, well, what is owed as of the date of the bankruptcy goes into essentially a holding pattern while the tenant tries to figure out what it's going to do with the The back lease. rent. The back rent, yeah, okay. the past due rent that's due on the date they file. Um, but they should be paying the rent moving forward, again, if they're operating in the space. And uh, if the tenant does not, the landlord has the right to file a motion and force the tenant to pay that rent that's owed. Okay. And are some of these tenants using bankruptcy to maybe to cram down these rental rates and things on landlords? Correct. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and often it starts before the bankruptcy. Uh, the larger retailers will hire consultants uh, that will uh, approach landlords about uh, reducing the rent rates. Uh, then they, if they file for bankruptcy, what, what the common thing that a landlord is going to hear is uh, you need to work with us and we'll stay, uh, but you need to reduce the rent. And if you don't, we're going to terminate your lease using the bankruptcy power to do it. So that's, that's common in, this, in the landscape of retail today that the landlords are hearing from the tenants, uh, we need to renegotiate. Yeah. So. Well, and this also impacts the other tenants in the centers out here, right? Yeah. So it, it impacts, what it can do actually is 
Um, well, one, a shopping center is, uh, you know, it's, it, the, the tenants benefit from each other's presence. Right. It's you, a big family. It's a nucleus. It right. works together. It's the, it's the term tenant mix. You're and right. you're, you know, the, yeah. the developer, the landlord is always trying to get a good tenant mix. Right. And uh, these uh, retailers, you know, cross-pollinate, so to speak, you know, and they, you, you attract uh, shoppers to the shopping center. So a loss of a, of a, of a tenant can impact, impact the traffic at the shopping center, um, but there's also uh, certain covenants and leases that can be impacted, other tenants' leases that can be uh, impacted. Yeah, co-tenancy rights and things like that, right? Oh, yeah. So, in, in, we were talking earlier about, you know, the, from the best case scenario of losing a tenant to the worst case scenario, you know, starting down that road, you know, we have the loss of rent from the tenant. Uh, but it can get far worse for the landlord if that tenant that goes into bankruptcy and then terminates its lease, if it's the subject of a co-tenancy provision in another tenant's lease, yeah. that co-tenancy provision can provide that other tenant termination rights mm -hmm. and a right to pay reduced rent or both, an option of both until that tenant is replaced. Uh, and so it, the, there can be a domino effect from the loss of a tenant. Yeah. And how long do these bankruptcies typically take? Well, they can take, it depends. Um, s some of them are, uh, some, some of these retailers are in worse shape than others. Mm -hmm. So they go in and they only have a short period of time in the bankruptcy. They only have a certain amount of money to fund, continue to fund themselves. Mm -hmm. And so those bankruptcies, they, they may, for example, there have been a number of them where they've made an effort to sell themselves. They're in Chapter 11, but they're trying to, they're not really reorganizing. They're trying to sell themselves. They've had, they have 60 to 90 days sometimes uh, of, fu of funding. And then if they're not successful, then it turns into a, a liquidation. Yeah. And then the bankruptcies around can be around for years, but it's really just a cleanup and the, the, the retail, the business operation is gone. Uh, if it's a reorganization, though, it can take, um, it can take, it can be more of an active bankruptcy, but there are deadlines in the bankruptcy code that limit uh, in a retail context how long these can take. In particular, the, the tenants have a certain amount of time to make a decision about re the leases. Okay. And, 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 and beyond that, the landlords have to consent to that. And if you have hundreds or thousands of landlords, it's very difficult to get everybody on board. Right. And we're talking with Sam Arden with Hartman Simons about retail and retail real estate and about bankruptcies. And I guess some of these things with bankruptcies would, uh, and tenants could happen really with any type of tenant. We're just seeing it a lot in, in retail today or too much. Correct. Um, so what should a landlord think about, Sam, if they feel like they're, they're getting threatened maybe verbally or, or with letters from a tenant that, look, if you don't re renegotiate our lease, we're, we're going to file bankruptcy. What should they do at that point? Well, I think they, they, they need to consider it. I mean, mm -hmm. they, the landlord should know the economic circumstances of their asset, and, and, and they should know um, or they should have legal counsel, if they don't know, mm -hmm. what the impact is going to be of the loss of the tenant. Because mm -hmm. if the loss of the tenant is going to have a mushroom impact, a domino effect on other tenants, then you may have more incentive to work with the tenant. Yeah. If it's just an issue of you know, rent relief, mm -hmm. reduced rent, and it does, there's no other impact um, from losing the tenant, then it's, then it's more of a focused decision yeah. for the, the landlord to decide w whether they want to work with them or not. And I think in, in amending a lease to uh, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, reduce the rent, you may want to put in a few more 
bells and whistles that deal with the potential bankruptcy coming up. Yeah, so. try, try to, it, yeah, so that's a good point. So if you're renegotiating the rent, you're lowering the rent, try to get some other advantages while you're right there doing that. Right. I mean, you don't want to make, necessarily make the lease more attractive for the tenant to then go sell, because yeah. leases, there's a market for leases in yeah. bankruptcies, and they yeah. can go out and they have increased powers to sell the leases. Yeah, yeah, so. well, that's a good point. Well, Sam, thanks for joining us on Studio One here. Good information. Thank you, Michael. And uh, well, stay tuned. We're going to have more on retail and retail real estate after this short break. And if you will, let us know what you think. Uh, comment below if you're on uh, YouTube or iTunes or the show website and, uh, and uh, connect with us. Stay with us. I'll be right back. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Hi, this is Michael Ball. Check out Plum Lending, the $1 to $25 million commercial real estate specialist. Plum offers you speed, certainty, and preferential terms because it's all driven by technology. Visit GetYourPlumLoan.com. That's GetYourPlumLoan.com. Build out the best all-in-one marketing tool for your brokerage. Learn how you can create marketing materials instantly and streamline your property listings process. Visit buildout.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by Excelligent. If you'd like to get great information on real estate in most of the major cities around the U.S., visit Excelligent.com. Today we're talking about retail. The name of the show is Retail Today because retail is certainly changing. Please welcome my next guest. It's Mark Dufton. He is CEO of Real Estate with Gordon Brothers. He's joining us on the phone. Mark, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Mark, you work with uh, retailers and restaurants, you know, around the country. You help them with lease dispositions and with restructuring, and you've been doing it for a long time. And, and I know tenants are always wanting to uh, control and, and reduce their occupancy costs. And you know, we've all seen the the headlines uh, all around the country with bankruptcies and store closures. You know, what are you really seeing? How much more of this? Um, negative retail information are you seeing today? That's a great question. We're, we're sort of wondering ourselves, you know, when is it all going to end? When is the retail carnage going to end? Uh, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, you know, there's going to be between eight and 9,000 store closings this year. Wow. I think a, uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a, uh, a week that, that had about 1,000 closings nationwide. And in the first quarter of 2017, the number of closings outstripped the entire year of 2008, which, uh, as everybody knows, is also a sort of a downturn in the in the retail. So, the the store closings are far outstripping the store openings, um, probably by a three times factor. Um, you know, there are some there are some bright spots on the, the store opening side with uh, some of the discount retailers, including TJX, Ross, Burlington Coat, um, you know, some of the, the discount department store operators, Nordstrom Rack, Saxoff Fifth, the new Macy's concept, and uh, of course the uh, dollar store operators, um, who specifically Dollar General, who can, uh, you know, has a pretty, pretty broad runway in terms of second, underserved secondary and tertiary markets in the U.S., so they're doing a, a you know, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think close to 60% of the 
of the new store opening since 2008 have been have been dollar store concepts. So yeah. uh, it's, it's it's interesting to see that uh, the discount guys have have a, a completely it's a completely different picture for them from some of you know the mall apparel uh, folks, by example, or sporting goods or uh, some of the other sectors that have just been uh, you know decimated, frankly. And um, you know, as I was saying, there's the CEO of Macy's said that there is a secular shift in retail and not a cyclical shift. And, and I believe in that with the, you know, with the change in the buying patterns and the changing in the demographics. Um, I think that one of the beneficiaries of that change will be, uh, unfortunately, not retail, retail real estate and, and their owners, but, you know, maybe more on the restaurant and entertainment side, um, we are seeing some stability, and the, there's negative headwinds for, for restaurateurs, but um, they've been able to weather that, and, you know, with the exception of maybe casual dining, uh, folks like, uh, you know, standard bears like Applebee's and Chili's, uh, with the exception of those folks, a restaurant, and specifically quick-serve restaurants of, and fast casual uh, quick serve being like McDonald's, Burger King type, and fast casual like uh, Panera and Chipotle and others uh, have done have done exceptionally well. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think that the casual brands like Applebee's and Chili's will continue to have a tough time though, because um, you know I think they have an aging uh, demographic profile as a client, and uh, it doesn't seem like the millennials are are uh, really recognizing those brands. But well, let me, let me ask you this, Mark. So sure. if you come in and you're representing a tenant and they are having uh, troubles and they need to, to get out of some leases or restructure leases, how much coming from your services or your side of the, uh, the view of the, of the issue uh, is using new tenants or trying to get uh, subtenants or, or, or getting some of these businesses that are uh, expanding into some of these yeah. spaces? Yeah, that's that's one component of it, uh, obviously, and uh, but it's become increasingly difficult, as you can imagine, because that uh, the number of tenants to backfill, you know, simply isn't there, um, and and when they are there, you know, there's a lot a lot of cases that the rent is not what the uh, our client was paying, right. so that's why we're seeing a lot of closings are just just end up being natural lease expirations because it doesn't make you know, it's not economically feasible uh, to to buy out of a lease. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, the landlords have, it's become much more difficult for them to agree to buy out because, you know, it's all, it's all part of one big puzzle, right? If they don't have something to backfill, then they're not going to accept a, uh, a, pay, a small payment from the tenants to buy out. And that, you know, that wasn't the case probably 10 years ago when uh, retail real estate was frothy, you could, you know, we were selling selling leases, the assignment of leases in bankruptcy uh, for pretty substantial dollars, and there was always a tenant who could backfill or pay a higher rent. And so that's just not the case. So, you know, buyouts are, are, are more difficult to come by yeah. nowadays, even in, I would say, even in some of the uh, better locations, some of the better malls and some of the high streets like, uh, you know, Fifth Avenue and in New York and Newbury Street in Boston, it's just a uh, it's just a tougher thing for for retailers to do. So, yeah. 
they're just closing stuff by by natural lease expiration. Well, Mark, let me and, let me ask you this: of, uh, of the yeah. tenants that you help and are working through, and they are having issues. How many of these tenants are really changing what they do? They're changing their product or their service or are doing something to kind of adjust to to the new retail environment? Yeah, well, we've had this uh, we've had this discussion with a number of clients. It's a great question, um, specifically clients who who need to do uh, need to make a fundamental shift in in their business. They can't just rely on the landlords to you know to reduce their occupancy expenses and restructure their their leases. Uh, I mean, they have to have an entire program dedicated to, to rehauling the company. So that, you know, our, what we do is one little piece of it, uh, but you have to have new merchandising. You have to have a new store strategy. You have to have a new wholesale strategy, potentially. You have to maybe cut back at the corporate level. So if you're having some expectations that a, that a, a land, if you're trying to do a whole sort of wholesale restructuring, and uh, you're not going to these landlords, especially the larger landlords, the REITs, with a with a you know a comprehensive plan. Uh, you know they're just gonna just gonna laugh you out the door because um, it's, you know, you're not gonna be able to do it off of their back. They're just they're just too savvy for that. Yeah, and we're talking with Mark Dufton, he's CEO of real estate with Gordon Brothers, and he helps tenants who maybe are having some issues and need to dispose of some leases or restructure their leases. And and Mark, you were in Vegas at ICSC Recon. Right. What was the uh, vibe there for you with the people that you met with? Um, I think you know it, the, the focus was really on. You know, trying to retail is trying to right size their portfolio in terms of number of stores, uh, trying to get the right size of box with which to maximize their sales, um, trying to reduce their occupancy expenses going forward through, um, you know, a comprehensive review when a lease comes up for a renewal or an option, and you know that's probably been our our biggest growth area in terms of our services is you know paying paying attention to that to to be able to leverage the market conditions to reduce the occupancy overall um, and you know auditing their auditing their triple net charges to make sure they're not overpaying um, so there's a you know it's tremendous trem- most of the retailers I would say that that is their focus uh, but as I mentioned there are some like you know Burlington Coat uh, who we who we met with? Who you know the company's just going gangbusters, and they're you know they're doing all of those things to be prudent uh, prudent retailers, all the things I just mentioned. But they also have a fairly robust um, store opening program, and you know they're able to take advantage of the market conditions there too, because they're they're spots that um, they might not have been able to get into in years past just because of their nature as a discount operator and so they can you know sort of move up the food chain to get into better quality real estate at at rents that they probably thought you know unimaginable right it, one it, person's it, distresses can be another person's opportunity right, right. well exactly. before you I have to go mark could you leave us with a with a tip for a tenant that maybe is in a situation where they are struggling uh maybe they're uh maybe they're mom and pop somewhere or maybe they've got you know 20 stores what would be a good tip for them well i I think you know you definitely need to pay more attention we we see the smaller chains 
and uh, in, in a lot of in, in a restaurant where a lot of the franchisees specifically, you know, have not paid too much attention to their real estate portfolio, um, and it's you know probably the second biggest or third biggest expense, and you know really really have somebody who's paying attention to it full time, whether it's in house or uh, a third party service provider who is contingency based fees, uh, who can who can try to you know drive down drive down your current costs of the stores that you want to go forward with or, you know, find, uh, find alternative locations if you're going to, if the relocation is possible, or there may be an opportunity for buyouts on stores that aren't performing. So really sort of do a comprehensive audit of your entire lease portfolio and go, go through store by store and determine a specific strategy for each That's, yeah, and, that, and then try to execute it. That's a good tip. Well, Mark, could you give a, leave us with a tip for, for a landlord, maybe a landlord that feels like he does have some uh, tenants or struggling, what would you say to him? Well, I think that the, um, you, you know, the, the landlords are, are in a in tough position right now, a lot of them. And, you know, I think working with, tenants who have been who have been good tenants to to maybe blend and extend uh you really have to take a close look at that but demand of those tenants that that it's not you know it's not something that is just coming on just coming from me i'm not going to be the only part of this of this restructuring picture and you know see make sure that you get if you're going to accept a lower rent um that there's a possibility for you know credit quality enhancement somehow um, through, through their restructuring efforts. Yeah, yeah, that's a good tip. Well, Mark, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being on the show. Anytime. Have a great day, guys. All right, and stay tuned. We'll have more on Real Retail Today. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit RealCrowd.com. Choose between Core, Core Plus, Value Add, or Opportunistic. Visit RealCrowd.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Hey, this segment is brought to you by Excelligent. If you want a system to track commercial real estate in the major cities around the U.S., check out Excelligent.com. Well, today we're talking about retail. We're talking about retail real estate. Please welcome my next guest, Nick Garcia. He is Director of Leasing with Heinz. And Nick, I think it's kind of interesting because... Uh, you guys have Atlantic Station. It's this huge mixed-use development. What do you have, 586,000 square feet of, of retail space there that you handle? Uh, it's a big project, yes, yeah. a little bit closer to 500,000, okay. but the very essence of what you know, mixed-use really is and all about. Yeah, so, so talk to us about that. So for the listeners and viewers out there that I'm sure will be curious with you, what are you seeing with tenants today? What, what is going on in your world with all the, the changing the one thing I've always loved about retail is, is it's constantly changing. Um, and uh, um, it, it's a product that is, is very much evolving, and it has from the time I got into this about 20 years ago. You just can't just have a box with stuff in it anymore. You've got to capture um, 
your uh, shopper on a daily basis. Uh, you've got to engage with them, you know, continually to keep top of mind of things. Mm -hmm. There's so much going on in the space right now, and um, you know, if you look at the headlines on Bloomberg and CNBC and everything, it's this, you know, retail apocalypse. Mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit overblown, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Um, there are some better retailers that are out there and much healthier and growing. There's a lot of them that are having that trouble and making that jump to the next generation of shoppers. So, you know, uh, for the most part, Atlantic Station has really avoided that muck um, that's out there that's really been kind of centered in the B mall space and lower. Uh, that doesn't mean that there's not challenges, but with every challenge, you know, there's an opportunity. And for, the, for your viewers and listeners around the country that maybe haven't seen Atlantic Station, describe it briefly. I mean, th this has office towers. Sure. Hotel. It's 138 mixed use, 138 acre mixed use development uh, with about a half a million square feet of uh, what we call shop space, 2 million square feet of office space, 3,100 residential units. Um, sits right in the heart of Midtown Atlanta, right on the downtown connector. Uh, came out of the ground in 03, 04. I think it was really, really built kind of ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. When you look at what the trend is these days, all the yeah. depth and retail that's happening out there, they want mixed use, they want urban street. Um, it's not being built for mall space primarily. Right. So I think we're in a nice position, you know, with respect uh, how we're going to move forward. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a very, very dynamic environment. We do 200 plus uh, uh, kind of social events every single year, or every single year, and that's everything from uh, yoga in the park to we did the Atlanta Falcons, uh, we call it pep rally prior to the Super Bowl, um, unplanned by us. Uh, the project has become the unofficial gathering place uh, for the, uh, what do you call it, brand new MLS team uh, that we have here in Atlanta. So all the fans are gathering uh, there first and kind of pep rallying and meeting and eating and drinking prior to going down to the game. Uh, so it's a very social, open place. And because it's a mixed-use development and it's got some spaces for that, right? Uh, there's a lot of open public space, yeah. exactly. And yeah. um, I think that's the thing that malls kind of have a disadvantage of now, that uh, the big patio spaces that are hard to kind of achieve in a suburban type of mall. Yeah. Um, the lifestyle trends has really gone on for the last 18 to 20 years. They've really addressed those uh, type of needs, as well as just general public space as well too, whether it be for gathering things like you know yoga in the park, or to do uh, things like a food truck, or uh, to do like a Christmas tree lighting, things like that that truly involve the public in a gathering type of open area. Yeah. Uh, a project like Atlantic Station has a lot of advantages over you know, yeah. your typical suburban counterparts. And I want to ask you more, Nick, about the dynamics of dealing with a, a mixed-use environment, because I think a lot of retailers and, and, and people wanting to, to live and work in mixed-use environments. But before we go there, how much attention are you guys uh, paying, paying attention to at Heinz about the credit of these tenants and, and how they operate today with you knowing what retailers are going through. Are you looking a little harder at how retailers are actually operating? Oh, certainly. Um, you know, there's so much information that's out there. You can press a button on your computer and get a 10Q or whatever on any you know national publicly traded retailer. Uh, you can get their annual reports off the internet and whatnot. Um, uh, but looking at trends is something that we do a lot of, you know, where they were, you know, quarter to quarter. Um, what kind of trends are they on? I think given um, the way that the internet spreads information, I think trends have gone very fast. And if you miss a trend, by the time you figure it out, it's already passed, okay? Yeah. Um, so I think trends last a lot 
lot slower these days, or they go by a lot faster, I, I, I should really say. Um, but sure, we, we look at the financial strength of a lot of these retailers, the amount of debt that they have, um, how their sales you know, per square foot, are they truly adding something to the shopping center? You, like I like to say, are we just leasing space or is this something that's going to really add to the overall environment of the center? Yeah. Uh, to the credit piece of things, you know, all great retailers started off with one store someplace. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things I like to do is find those one of a kind up and coming things. In a lot of cases, those don't have a great signature behind them. Mm -hmm. So you got to kind of play your odds and some of those deals are tough to make, particularly in the restaurant space. Um, uh, where there might be a great concept, but there's just not a ton of worth behind it. So on those particular types of tenants, Nick, are you kind of really getting in and say, look, let me see your business plan. Let me see how you're getting, what's your cost per customer? What are you doing online? What are you doing? Pick, are you getting sure. a lot more involved? Very much so, yeah. yes. Um, you almost become like a business analyst yeah. uh, there. And it's not just you know really waiting for the phone to ring and, yeah, sure, I've got this space available. I'm going out there trying to seek what I think should fill in the handful of vacancies that we do have. But, yes, you're always trying to figure out who your customer is. Is this really serving who our customer is at this uh, shopping center? Uh, what are your cost of goods? Uh, things like that and figuring out, honestly, um, how much rent they can really afford to pay yeah. and if they're really a fit here. You know, there's a lot of people that I like to say, are they uh, what you call beneficiaries of traffic or are they generating their own? Yeah. Don't get me wrong, you want to have some of the people that are the beneficiary of traffic to kind yeah. of fill in the cracks, yeah. but ideally you want you know, 75, 80% of your center to be more than that. Yeah. You want it to be people that are generating their own. Are, yeah. they, are they advertising a lot? Do they, are they engaging in social media? Yeah. Um, do they have a product that's relevant that people want? Right, right, that's a good point. And you've done a lot of leasing for retail properties of all types for a long time. And now you're working in this dynamic kind of mixed-use development where you have all these things going on around you, mm -hmm. the, the events, the, the uh, residential, you have the office use. I know I go to Atlantic Station a good bit for in the office buildings where I'm visiting visiting clients. So what's different for the tenants, first of all? What, what's the benefit or maybe the detriments about a mixed-use development for a, for a retail tenant? Sure. Um, I think they love the words mixed use because mm -hmm. it's not just relying on people coming there to buy stuff, okay? Like your most, you know, your typical malls are. When you throw in, you know, 4,000 daily office workers, 3,100 residential units like we've got at Atlantic Station, that is very, very appealing to a potential retailer. So, you know, you make the deal, fast forward a little bit, and then they start commenting on a lease. And there's all these things in there about, oh, I don't know, about smells emanating out of the premises and noise emanating after hours out of the premises. And one of the things that's really come up a lot lately is insurance. When you've got a mixed-use building, okay, with retail on the ground level, office, say, on your middle levels, and then two or three levels of residential above that, those might be owned in different ways by different condominium type of associations. Right. Who's got responsibility for a standpipe if that were to blow, for instance, or something like that, and yeah. who covers who and what event, and it's walking through those dynamics that I think um, is kind of challenging these days, mm -hmm. where the mall world is very, very efficient, okay? Mm -hmm. it's, it's typical, it's a very uniform type of product, and the retailers really grew in the last 20 to 25 years with the REITs by that kind of symbiosis of those things coming together. They stamped out a lot of stores together because they had a very efficient format. You could even stamp the leases. It, really, you yeah. conformed leases and with very little changes. So now you get into this new type of environment. I think some retailers are savvier than others. Some of them that have worked in downtown true urban type of environments. Right. Um, a handful of your best lifestyle centers nationally have uh, 
gone vertical, so to speak, with the residential or the office over there. But when you talk about an environment like an Atlantic Station, you know, you've got multiple uses over the shop level, not just all residential or all right. retail. You've got both in some instances. Yeah. Um, and then you've got parking underneath. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, it, it's a, uh, again, it's not a typical type of retail lease, whether it be mall, whether it be strip center. Um, so there, there, there are some challenges in getting them through those things. And it's not that they're reluctant to do it, it's just they've never seen some of these things before. So A lot more control on them. Yes, right? and it's really holding their hands and to kind of get them comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what you have to do because you have so many you have people living over them. You have people that run, that having their office there. Right. Uh, yeah, there's got to be a lot more control. Yeah. So, so what do you expect for retail moving forward? You, you see it every day, you study it every day, you've been in it for a long time. Fast forward a couple of years, what, what do you well, think? Well, if I could you know, tell the future, <laughs> I wouldn't be leasing malls, I'll tell you that much. But um, uh, I, I think that uh, um, there's a few things going on. I think omni-channel is something the retailers have to truly embrace. Uh, anybody who's truly successful out there in the retail world these days, they have physical stores, they, can, they have a web presence, and they have a mobile presence, okay? Mm -hmm. I, think, I think consumers have always been smarter than the retailers really give them credit for. Um, and they do a lot of research prior, prior to coming into the stores, they know what they want. Now they're doing it on the fly. Um, they're in the store, they're looking at it, and wow, the guy down the street will sell this to me for X dollars or whatever it is. So I think having the symbiosis of all those things together, I think a lot of early on retailers said, well, we just need to have a web presence. And like their inventory wasn't connected at the store level to what was online. So it's like, well, your store is telling me you have this. Well, we really don't follow what's on the web. I would happen, happen to get sometimes as I'm walking into a store, whether it be with a book or an article of clothing. So I think all, all retailers have got to get much more efficient at the Omni uh, channel uh, way of doing uh, business. Yeah. I think the burden on the landlord really becomes to create that experience. Yeah. And that's done in many, many different ways. It's not only done with the right retailers, but it's done in the shopping center with events, the things that are happening in the common area, uh, and really, honestly, deleasing kind of underproductive things, whether they be department stores or whatnot, and getting more, much more relevant uses uh, in there today. I, I think it's less about more stuff. I think it's more now about bringing people on site to do more than just shopping. Yeah. Yeah, I think the days are gone where if you're selling a chair that you've got, you know, 200 chairs, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of have a display and then they may... Oh, we'll send it to you. Yeah, we'll right. send it to you or mm -hmm. we'll bring it out of, mm -hmm. out of the mop boss from, from the basement right. somewhere right. like in Manhattan, right? Oh, exactly, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. real estate's expensive. So, yeah, I think that you're going to see a, a lot more of that. I think that's a good point. Um, well, Nick, thanks for joining us. Great information. Thank you very much. Very, very glad to be here. Yeah. Thanks for the time. And thank you for joining us out there on the radio stations, on iTunes, YouTube, or maybe you're watching on the show website. Please connect with us and comment. And join us next week. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions. Real Crowd, crowdfunding with the professionals. Excelligent, building data everywhere. Plum Lending, online commercial real estate loans. Build Out, marketing for your brokerage. Barnes Creative Studios, commercial real estate video production.